0: Honor and privilege of being with you here today at Union Grove. I'd like to thank your dear pastor, Brother Ronnie, for inviting me to come. I have been longing for this opportunity to be with you today and to worship the Lord once more. It's been a struggle for several months now, isn't it, to assemble together like this and with understandable reasons. None of us want to be sick. I believe the Bible does teach us to use some common sense in our worship practices. But I'm so thankful for this day and to be in the house of the Lord. Very, very important as best we can to meet together and to worship. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some, but that we would present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God which is our reasonable service. Thankful so much for the opportunity to be with you. I'm certainly glad that Brother Ronnie uh, clarified the reason for blowing the horns. It's been my experience that means to get out of the way when the horn was blowed. And so very, very thankful for that. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm certainly going to be mindful of the time. I want to hear Brother Ronnie's message today too. I believe that we've all assembled here today, if we were to put it in one word, would be for love, the love of God and our love for each other. That's the two greatest commandments, isn't it? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. Upon these two hang all the law and the prophets, That's an astounding statement, really, and one of great instruction for us. I'd like to call your attention to a very familiar passage of Scripture, but I've been very impressed all week. I've read over it several times, tried to study, make some cross-references of different things pertaining to this subject in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the charity chapter. Within this chapter, I believe the word charity is used about nine times. And that word can be interchanged with love. Very, very important to understand the value of the fruit of the spirit of love. It's very important that we understand something about the previous chapter before we get into chapter 13. As the Apostle Paul teaches the Corinthian church about the spiritual gifts, the importance of those (coughs) gifts to be exercised. But here in the last verse of chapter 12 really puts us in great suspense of what we're going to be taught in chapter 13. He says, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Covet here means the gifts that God has given you individually. But we are to earnestly covet those gifts Count them quite valuable. In the previous chapter we know that different gifts are given. The illustration of the body. Different parts of the fleshly body are used. And how each part needs each other. That the eye say unto the ear, I have no need of thee. The hand to the foot, I have no need of thee. We're all... Important with the gifts that God has given. But notice here in the last part of this verse. And yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Now not a more excellent gift. How much more excellent could be those gifts. That have been given to members of the church. The born again children of God. But there is a more excellent way. To exercise those gifts gifts. Paul's going to tell us here in the 13th chapter. He gives some great illustrations here, and if by the Spirit of God we're allowed to understand something about what he means here, as he's led by the Spirit of God, it can be of great benefit to us. Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, and have not charity, or to say love, I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Words are very powerful, aren't they? There's people that have made a lot of money speaking words, very oracle speakers. Words are very powerful in a positive and in a negative way. But if not motivated by love, the fruit of the Spirit can be very, very destructive. Profitable only if motivated by love. Now, I've had people tell me things, use words that I knew as I applied the wisdom that they give me, that it was motivated by love. Very important. Sometimes it's not. I use the plain, simple phrase terms of some people have a silver tongue. I believe we could probably apply that to many of our politicians in this day and age. They speak, they can speak well, they can manipulate, they can tell things that can draw us in. But it's not always motivated by the spirit of love. He uses this illustration of sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, something without a distinct sound. We want our words to be distinct. We want them to be a benefit. People remember the things that we say. Very, very important. Motivated by love, he's saying. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity or love, I am nothing. Possessing astonishing skills, but not motivated by love. What's the motive? Wouldn't profit nothing prophecies, the ability to tell of future events, the understanding of mysteries, knowledge, faith to the point as we find in the Gospels that could be so strong to remove mountains. If not motivated by love, I am nothing. Galatians 5 and 22, we have the ninefold fruits of the Spirit. I don't believe that it's by chance that love is the first one mentioned. I think all things are built upon love. God has put something within us, being born again, that is love. To give to Him and to give away to each other. These great gifts that He speaks about, a prophecy, understanding mysteries, having knowledge faith, all these things can be of no benefit if not for the right motive of love. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not charity or love, it profiteth me nothing. That's a word of caution there, isn't it? People have been known to give charitable acts I guess we could say for the benefit of others but it not be for the motive of love to receive the praise of men I've had that happen to me have you they are aware many times of the things we want to hear what is necessary for us what do we need maybe give us some things that we need in monetary ways or to talk to us encourage us with things we want to hear. That they may have a string attached to it. Pulling back on it. You owe me. I believe Jesus teaches against that, doesn't he? Matthew chapter 6. I believe he speaks of almsgiving there, doesn't he? Let not the left hand know what the right hand doeth. To not sound a trumpet in the things that we do not motivated necessarily by love. Said that they have their reward the praise of men. Now we all want to be well thought of a good name is to be chosen over riches. But not praise and honor, glory given to us. I believe it goes on to tell us there in Matthew chapter 6 that we do these things secretly. That God will reward us openly. I believe God has more to give us than anyone else. Wouldn't you agree with that, precious brothers and sisters? There's a covetousness. There's a word we're going to see here in a few moments called envy that we find. Very, very important. A scripture of caution there. He goes on in chapter and verse 4 to say, Charity suffereth long, is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vauneth not itself, is not puffed up. The practice or qualities of love. Love's humble, it suffereth long, it's patient. It's kind. I suspect we all feel somewhat of a conviction there. We do possess the spirit of love in our hearts. But sometimes it doesn't suffer as long as it should. Sometimes it's not kind. Sometimes though we have that fruit of the spirit of love by our nature, just generally speaking, there is a sense of envy. In other words, kind of relative to the word jealous, isn't it? They are somewhat different. Jealousy is more of a um, suspicion or apprehension for some rivalry, rivalry. Envy has more to do with covetousness. There's something you have that I want. Love condemns thoughts like that. Suffereth long, it is kind. Borneth not itself, it's not arrogant and puffed up. We certainly need to be telling this more, as I said earlier, to some of our government officials, if not all of them. You know something, brothers and sisters, there is very few true statesmen left in our government today. This was so refreshing to me to study over these things and to try to evaluate myself more. And I wanted to share it with you today. It suffereth long. It's kind. Envieth not. Vaunteth not itself. is not puffed up. Verse 5 says, Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. It's not selfish. Unseemly here means out of the, out of order conduct. You ever got angry about something and maybe been a little out of order? I suspect we all have. We need to be reminded of this, don't we? Love does not cause us to be out of control. Love will cause us, in the opposite of what we've heard, to label people sometimes. Love will cause us to have a long fuse, not a short fuse. Very quick to anger, mad, mad. I think about that sometimes when I begin to get a little angry about something. A word of caution that is also a biblical text. Anger, lieth in the bosom of a fool. None of us want to be fools, do we? It's very important to analyze that verse a little bit. Bosom there means in the heart. We may be angry from time to time of offenses that come to us behavior that we see, things that are not acceptable. But I don't believe that we have anger lying in the depths of our heart. You know what a fool is? A graceless wretch. Now I'm a wretch. But as Brother Roddy spoke in the introduction, I believe that we have the grace of God in our hearts. We could be guilty of a lot of things, but the worst is to be a fool. Love helps us not to act in unseemly manners, not selfish, not easily provoked. Now notice it says that it doesn't keep us from utterly being provoked. Now we're all human beings and I'm not trying to sidestep the principle taught here for a little bit. But there is a biblical teaching of righteous indignation. You are not to be easily provoked. But there are some people that are unmerciful in their conduct. There can come a point when you can defend yourself. You can defend what is right. Standing firm on the true principles and not waver on thus saith the word of God. Who was the most righteous person that ever walked this earth? It was the Son of God, no doubt, right? He would be angry from time to time. Not much. But there's some statements that we find in the scriptures. One time I think he got quite angry when he seen a mockery made out of his house. I want to encourage you all something, and certainly I'm going to live by this myself. The house of God is a sacred place. Let's be very careful of our conduct in it. That's right. How we respect God and each other in the house of God. I believe that story tells us that he walked into the temple, and I believe they had made a business out of the, the temple, the church worship service. They were selling doves. He got very angry over distorting his kingdom. He said, you've made my house a house of merchandise and a den of thieves. My house shall be a house of prayer. Now, we know what prayer is, but there's different avenues that is linked to it that we could understand something about that. We could certainly say the house of God is a reverent place. Respectful. It's not to be conducted in unseemly manners. I believe he got quite angry over that, overturned the tables, run them out of the temple. Now, I'm not encouraging something like you to here today. I'm giving you an example of something. We need to be very careful what we say, how we act within the kingdom of God. It's not about us, really, though we be subjects of, that, wo- that worship God. It's about Him. He's the ruler. He's the constitutor of the kingdom. He's the reason we're here today to sing hymns of praise, to proclaim the gospel, to pray unto Him. It is the kingdom of God, period. Love helps us understand these things. He said, Doth not behave itself unseemly, Sinketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Now, verse 6, Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. You don't rejoice in sinful things, do you? The Bible does speak from our fleshly side that there is joy in sin for a season. But that's not enticing to us at all, is it? We want joy, it goes on and on and on. It's in love practiced through the Christian life toward God and each other. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. What is iniquity? Iniquity is sin. We have a multitude of scriptures to warn us of those things. God hates iniquity, doesn't He? Look at what it took to take it away his beloved son and all the sufferings that he endured in this life and they would die the most gruesome death that any human being could ever endure upon the cross of Calvary. We should be very careful and very aware of the things that would be considered iniquity and there's not time today to go through all of those but I will tell you this that just come to my mind we have a consolidated list of about seven things in proverbs chapter six that i might remind you of today that very word is used there six things doth the lord hate yea seven is an abomination unto him you take notice of that seventh one I believe it's a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, feet that are swift, running to mischief, a false witness who speaketh lies, and he that causeth discord among brethren. No doubt for that seventh one to be considered an abomination... It's the most important to be stressed, at least there, in that portion of Scripture. It's kind of interesting to me how one is mentioned twice. Lying. God is the ultimate picture of truth. He means for us to tell the truth, to live by truth. Sometimes that has to be fought for. Strong stands have to be taken for that. Love rejoiceth not in iniquity, but in truth. It beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things. patient, strong. Love looks for the best in people. It's optimistic. Love is loyal. That hurts, don't it, when somebody's disloyal to you. It happens from time to time, don't it? Someone you put an enormous amount of confidence in. Now I'm going to stress that word confidence. Don't you ever use the word faith toward a person. Faith is only directed to God. You can have confidence in people that have earned it. Very, very important. Beareth all things, believeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Charity is a permanent thing. Love should be a permanent thing. Certainly it was with God, wasn't it? He loved us before He ever created the world. In all eternity past did He love us and know us. And at His appointed time did He send His Son to die for our sins. It never faileth. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues... They shall cease, whether it be knowledge, it shall vanish, permanent other things mentioned here are temporal, for we know in part we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. What does that mean? Maybe very. Uh, several views of that, but certainly I believe we could say that there is a perfection in love, a level of perfection. Now, I'm not saying to you sinlessness. The word perfect in the Bible, I think you correct me here if I'm wrong, Brother Ronnie, but I believe it means spiritual maturity. We can grow to be more and more spiritually mature the more we love. You know, there's a few people in the scriptures that are actually called perfect people. Job was a perfect man, upright, one that feared God and then evil. I believe Noah in Genesis chapter 6 is said to be a man perfect in his generation. The only one that ever found grace in the eyes of God. It was there for others. But he was a loving man. He could see it better than others. There is a perfection in love. Verse 11, he says, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Those of you that are familiar with the scripture, I suspect everyone is. Has read this or heard it preached on. You might wonder why something like that is inserted in this. Seems like it didn't fit. But really it does fit. A child is considered immature. Quick to anger. Frustration. Maybe run into some mischief. Maybe doing a few things. But as time goes by and as they're taught by parents by godly traits, godly instruction, there should be a maturity that comes. Love helps bring us into maturity. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. Many thoughts about that but I tell you what I think and that might not be worth much but in the study of the Bible people get impressions I believe come from the Spirit of God I believe this is teaching us that the more we strive to love with that gift of God that's put within us the more we can know ourselves maybe as God knows us to be known as we are known. And now about faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. These three sum up the elements. The, love, the heart of the Christian life. But there is one that will be in us, with us. For all eternity. And that's love. Charity. Love. We won't need faith and hope all through eternity. But love's going to abound forever and ever. We're supposed to practice it now. Some are easier to love than others though, aren't they? I hope that doesn't sound mean, but it's true. We all be truthful with ourselves. Some people are easier to love than others. But we're still to strive to love each other. I'll leave you with this. I certainly want to, leave Brother Ronnie some time. I always love hearing him preach the gospel. I'm going to leave you with something very simple but very powerful. Love, 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 and love some more. God is well pleased with it. May He help us to do that all throughout our lives. That we might be faithful servants unto Him. Thank you for allowing me these few moments to speak to you. God bless you all. And I'd like to say this. I love you all with everything that's within me as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. That's the greatest love we have, isn't it? Our kindred in Christ Jesus. Thank you. God bless Brother Thank you, Brother. Thank Thank you, Brother. Love you.